0: bruh Um, Moby.co. This is the Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast about the stock market, the economy, and the various market forces powering the world around you. As always, folks, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time, honestly, you know, kind of an exciting end to Q2. We're seeing a lot of really great motion in the stock market. These rallies are kind of extending themselves to finish out the quarter. Apple just crossed $3 trillion in market cap. The NASDAQ is up. Everybody's up, but at the same time, there's just so much going on that we're trying to make sense of that even, like, is a real rally, and if this is going to sustain now that we're entering into Q3, folks. Great time here in the markets, but hopefully it's going to be a lasting good time. To help me unpack that, as always, uh, I am joined by Justin Kramer, CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here at Moby.co. Justin, man, what's good? What's life like when your birthday's at the literal end of the quarter? Happy birthday, by the way, dude.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it. Uh, No, it's always hectic, you know? Ending a quarter while trying to balance personal life uh, is always some of the joys of work, but... Can't complain today. Uh, today's a big day. So lot to do lot to talk about. And as always, there's always stuff going on in the world, in the economy, po- politics, you name it, there, there's always something to talk about, digest and, and ultimately understand how it's going to impact us all. So excited to dive into it today.
0: Exactly. So audience, to give you a little bit of the inside baseball, we do publish these to our app on Mondays, but we do record them on Friday. So we are in the thick of it at the end of the quarter right here, right now. Um, So we're just going to kind of react to a lot of stuff that has happened live. I think let's go ahead and get to sort of like the smaller news first and ramp our way up through it, because we want to unpack this rally that has just sustained itself towards the end of the quarter. I want to get to sort of like the macro stuff that's happening. The Supreme Court just nuked student loan forgiveness Absolute mayhem here in the markets as we kind of react to everything as we just rush to the finish here. The quarter ends for the Supreme Court too, and they shoved all of their decisions at the very end of the deadline. Classic. So let's just go ahead and talk sm- small stuff first, and kind of ramp our way up into it. Just one thing we're always going to be watching is consumer spending. We want to make sure that consumers are still spending. Like the economy seems kind of bulletproof. The GDP numbers just got revised to two percent growth in Q1, not one point three percent. We're going to get our next GDP print for Q2 at the end end of this upcoming month at the end of July and of course we're also going to be watching for CPI inputs that are going to be coming in the next 2 weeks as well so things are looking pretty good the economy inflation is getting more and more under control despite unemployment just refusing to go up There's a lot to like here, Justin, so in order to help us unpack that, I'm going to actually shift gears and talk about Nike's earnings that just came out last night as well. Nike's a key barometer for sort of apparel and consumer spending, and we're finally seeing some weakness here, dude. Nike just posted earnings, they beat all the revenue expectations, but finally Nike is starting to fall to the inflation brigade. They just barely, Justin, barely missed their margins by a single basis point as they're dealing with higher logistics and higher fees and finally starting to liquidate their stock a little bit as their inventory troubles keep going up. So great revenue numbers, not the best margin numbers though. So stock is down about 3% right now. When you look at this, is this kind of a moment of temporary weakness or are we actually finally watching the trend line of like the consumer spending stocks finally declining as we try to unpack and understand how inflation has been impacting the regular consumer here in America?
1: Yeah, it's just been a rotation of, you know, a a lot of themes that we've been talking about for a while, which is people starting to spend less on goods and more on services as, again, pent up demand from the pandemic continues to unwind. Um, So travel stocks like Delta, which we'll talk about in a bit, have been completely crushing. The stocks are up huge, even in the face of some pretty volatile energy prices, um, because that's what people want to spend money on and they can pass on a lot of their costs to their consumers. Whereas stocks like Nike are starting to get hit, and while inflation obviously isn't good for the cost side of the equation, on the revenue side of the equation, it obviously helps. If you're selling a pair of socks for five dollars, and now that sock, that's that, that stocks, uh those socks are seven dollars. You know, from a top line revenue perspective, well, you just made two more dollars. And as long as consumer spending was staying the same in terms of the sheer volume, for the same volume, they were technically not making like profiting more money, but making more money on the top line of just revenue. So like, you know, as much as inflation hurts them, it also helps them to a certain extent. But now that inflation is starting to peak, you know, it's not coming down, it's just the rate at which it's increasing is decreasing. Now, all of a sudden, people aren't spending as much as like this inflation overhang continues to like really weigh on the pockets of consumers. And now to your point, it's starting to compress margins a little bit. um, As... They also have input costs of their own. You think about like the cotton, uh, the shipping costs, like all the all the different nuances and factors that ultimately, which impacts Nike, they're starting to feel it as consumers spend less and less and less. So, you know, is it the retail apocalypse? I think it's definitely, I wouldn't go that far. We might have a soft landing, you know, as part of that, which we'll get to in a second. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day. Uh, GDP is looking a little bit better than expected. So it's not necessarily going to be this this retail apocalypse. But, you know, at the same time, we're starting to see a slowdown, which is something that economists and really investors for the most part um, have been looking at for or waiting for rather for a long time now. So, you know, at the end of the day, we look at Nike specifically, you know. I'll, I'll, it wasn't terrible. China's growth fell a little bit less than expected. To your point, the the margins came down because they had sg a costs a little bit higher than expected. But nothing here that fundamentally scares us too much, um, you know, just backing through more inventory kind of issues, even though it's flat year over year. It's just they, there's a huge bulk of inventory. So more or less now with Nike specifically, you know, I think it's going to get around the bears in the, in the near term. Um, but again, something to be a little bit skeptical for on their their footprint and their kind of expansion plans over the medium to longer term. So, you know, I think for us it's just kind of a wait and see, and and see how it also really flows down to the uh, to the rest of the retail market.
0: And audience, if you're trying to unpack this a little more, I think one critical thing that helps you understand this is simply that most of our spend is actually just shifting to services. Uh, Delta just came out with absolutely incredible new profit estimates and improved guidance for the year that caused them to smash through our price target. People are really like still able to spend. They're still spending. It's just right now the broad shifts in consumer spending are very much to Justin's point in the services space. So we have to keep an eye on this. It does hurt the thesis a little bit that um, luxury branding just kind of makes you bulletproof no matter what. People are still digesting higher costs from Nike, but Nike is still holding on to a little bit too much inventory as they move forward. So their costs are getting finally a little bit out of hand. And so when we look at that further too, let's talk about something that's a little bit more recent for us. Uh, We just updated our price target for Constellation Brands this week. Constellation Brands, of course, is now the new king of beer uh, in America, that is. Uh, They own the rights to Modelo in the U.S., and that is now the number one selling beer in America. In an industry where it's all structural decline, like beer is broadly on the decline constellation brands we wanted them to hit six to eight percent beer growth they hit 11 um, and the stock is trading flat on that news as the market is just like i don't know if i even want to still be in the beer business anymore so a lot of really interesting stuff there but just when you look at sort of the beer industry constellation brands kind of feels like the pick right now um so I guess I guess the main question is, is uh, what do you think of these earnings as well? Like, is there anything else we can kind of keep in mind as we try to look for sort of clues as to what's happening with both Constellation brands and beer overall? Or is it the same deal, like fewer things, fewer drinks, even way more experiences?
1: Yeah. So like just beer and beverages in general, obviously, there's there's a lot of nuance in the beverage space. If you've seen, you know, Logan Paul, like every single influencer celebrity out there launch their own alcohol, their own beverage it's been such a hot thing to do because it is like the margins are great. It's a great business to be in. Um, but obviously there's a lot of variability and across the board, we're seeing the younger generation, you know, stray away from alcohol actually more so than we've seen older generations. So they will be, they will be up and down. There was a pickup in uh, outside of the supply. There was a pickup in demand during the pandemic. And now there's just a, a normalization of sorts. So looking more specifically kind of at the beverage industry as a whole We're seeing carbonated beverages, uh, sales up, you know, over 12% year over year over the last month. Um, We're seeing that energy drink sales also up over 15% year over year. Um, And then we're seeing beer sales only up like 1.8% to 1.9% in the last year, even though the tap, again, tap beer sales, like in-person beer sales are actually up like 17% year over year. Which again tells us again, people want to go to bars, they want to be doing in-person experiences versus buying it and bringing it home more of like a wholesale manner. So, it's really varied in terms of the types of drinks that are selling, and then the way those drinks are selling, you know, at sporting events, at bars, at restaurants, versus at liquor stores, supermarkets, and wherever you get your adult beverages. Um, but for Constellation Brands more specifically, we think that there's a few things going on that like we want that we've been honing in on. So. For the first quarter, um, basically X Canopy, which is the weed arm or the cannabis arm of their business, they reported earnings that beat consensus estimates. Past that, looking at like guidance going forward, they basically reiterated their prior guidance for all of 2024 um, and basically kept their EPS more or less the same the same in wine, but they're thinking that beer top line is going to be growing anywhere from seven to 9% annually, uh, which is higher than the numbers we put for the industry as a whole that I just talked about a minute or two ago. Um, they're going to see profit growth margins increase, hopefully five to seven, five to 7% as well, um, which means that beer margins should be around like 38%. Um, and then ultimately we're going to see wine and spirits not actually grow as much as beer and that's going to take a little bit of not necessarily a hit but staying flat. Um so at the end of the day it's a lot of like uh, jargon obviously we're getting into the weeds here but constellation more or less has hit their numbers but it's not they they've been like they they've been setting up a lot of plants internationally modelo is now the biggest beer in the country after bud White boycotts have actually persisted more than most people thought. Um it just they haven't received the the tailwinds that we we thought they would so far. The stock is still up massively since we first initiated a position. Um, But again, like Nike kind of telling a similar story, it's going to be a little bit of a wait and see to see how it persists, but we're still definitely overweight and, and like the company.
0: Exactly. And that's the main thing we're trying to think about as we look for what's working and what's not working. And so that kind of gets us into the broader economy. Like I mentioned before, Justin, GDP got revised to 2% growth, which means we're looking forward to the first revision of Q2 GDP, which is going to come out way later in July. Basically, everyone's been predicting a recession. And the only major way to say you're in a recession or not is you're going to have a couple of factors, including two consecutive quarters of declining GDP growth. We technically had that last year, but it wasn't quite enough to fully push us into recession territory. And ever since we've been growing. But the thing is, is that from q, uh, Q3 q to Q4 to Q1 of last year, we're watching that rate of de- growth declines. So the main question is, can we keep this going? Market sure thinks we can. NASDAQ is up 32% on the year as AI is just making tech stocks absolutely... Manic again. Um, the Dow Jones is only up three point six three percent, which you know, I guess, uh, I guess it's growth season again. Defensive stocks had like literally a quarter where they were more important, but now it's it's all it is all NASDAQ all day once again. Just when you look at this and you were just trying to figure out, like, is this fake? Is this just us kind of rushing the deadline, so to speak, to the end of the quarter? Or can we really sustain this? Like, was it just a vibe session? People just thinking it was just kind of like, not going to be a real, like thinking it was going to be a recession, but not really? Or are there still things kind of like hanging over our heads? Like, Airbnb is kind of collapsing a housing market, or the commercial real estate collapse, or even consumer credit kind of running its course, so to speak. When you look at all this, like, are are we in good Vibes time, or is it a little bit too soon to say still?
1: Yeah, I mean, we're definitely not out of the clear yet, which is something that isn't our necessarily like nuanced view. Yes, we believe that. But if you see what the Fed is saying, which ultimately really dictates, you know, how the economy goes over the next 12 to 24 months, they're reiterating a similar kind of theme. And that's why they've continued to say, we are going to keep raising rates, we are not going to be cutting, you know, anytime soon maybe 2024. But the rest of this year, we should expect at least two more rate hikes. In their eyes, they inflation is still a major, major problem. And so as long as inflation is a problem and as long as interest rates are going up, things are going to break in the economy that no one can anticipate. When you raise rates so much, you put a lot of stress on the financial system and things happen that we might not be ready and accounted for. So for example, we obviously saw that silicon valley bank and a lot of regional banks went under very quickly and that was due to some pretty intense uh stress on the system that more or less like hasn't you know been there historically and so there recent there was actually a recent historic stress test that was done and the fed thinks we're not necessarily going to be facing a major recession but they also you know they're not saying it's you know all clear like let's let's go right back into it so you know the fed was re- uh, announced yesterday that these banks went through a critical stress test um and that everything should be sound for the most parts that even if um the like that even if the housing market took a dip and the stock indices fell by over 40% that the banks should be fine uh and the major banks being like j p morgan bank of america things like that um but again just because the banks are fine doesn't mean necessarily that Everything else is going to be fine. Anything at any point can break. We've talked about the commercial real estate market again, but we're starting, starting to see it with SL Green uh getting rid of a multi or half of a multi-billion dollar building on Park Avenue in New York City. And we're not saying everything is going to be written down there, but it's going to be slow. And if slowness persists and a lot of these leases have to ultimately lapse and then there's refinancing, you know, that's one potential area. So there's a lot of events happening that could be happening behind the scenes that it's hard to predict exactly what they are. I think the biggest takeaway is we know there's still a lot of stress in the system. And when you have re- like an artificial environment where rates are held low for a sustained period of time and then you increase them substantially for a sustained period of time with no hopes of decreasing them, you're going to have a stressful situation where things can collapse. Again, the Fed saying the banks are fine. We saw that. You know, a lot of banks weren't fine, they collapsed, but apparently the the ones that are existing here in the US are. But does that fall over to commercial real estate? Does that fall over to the tech sector? Does that fall over to, you know, X, Y, and Z? Like there's a, there's a handful of other areas that are still, we need to be very cautious about. But again, that's been the stance that we've been taking for a while is cautiously investing, being cautiously optimistic, not going all in, because at any point, Something could happen and crash the, the market. So, you know, the markets are usually forward looking. That's why they've done so well to start the year. They're seeing only potentially two rate hikes across the corner. Uh, US GDP has continued to actually grow, although slow. It has grown. And a lot of investors are thinking this is going to be a very, very soft landing. And into 2024, 2025, rates will decrease and we'll be right back at it again, which is very, very possible. Um, but if you go all in, and something happens that you're not accounting for and you're not hedging your risks where your portfolio is going to get hit significantly so there's no reason to dollar cost average into trades continue to try and buy on the way up but if you're going from sitting in 50% cash to zero you know i think from a risk management perspective you know at least from, all, from what we're doing we're not doing that you know we're not saying we're sitting in 50% cash but again when you look at risk adjusted returns is the market producing a return when you take when you factor in risk, that's a that's sufficient for the level of risk you're taking. Again, for us, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, a lot of the large funds, you know, we're taking a similar stance in the fact that on a risk adjusted basis, it's just we're not seeing the premium right now. Again, we're still continuing to invest, but we're being cautious and we're and we're leaving you know some dry powder on the sidelines.
0: Absolutely. And uh, audience, just to give you some of that full transparency real quick here, uh, we are still, I personally am also still investing, but I'm also keeping a lot of, uh, accumulating a lot more cash, not because I'm keeping it on the sidelines, but because I'm doing, uh, my, more of my goals right now are accumulating capital for a down payment on a house. So just want you to know that based on our perspective, like all biases are important. So as we do our analyses, as we figured everything out, I think it's important that you know the perspectives of the people who you know, do this analysis and transmit it to you every week, right? But getting back into this, so as we try to understand what's happening, once again, we're always going to be looking for these long-term trends that are going to keep driving value no matter what. That's why we're still harping on the real winners in AI right now. If you go to our app, app.mobile.co, you can see our new report on Datadog, who based on how AI is currently affecting the tech market is going to be a huge winner as they basically enable large companies to do more with fewer developers via their cloud monitoring service so that they can use those AI gains to supercharge their margins and yada 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 technical nonsense. Check it out in the app as well. You're going to see these moments where AI actually wins. Next week, you're also going to see a new report from us about a European pharmaceutical company that's actually figured out the model where an AI actually empowers drug discovery. Not hype, not nonsense, not like, oh, I, I, I threw some drugs at a computer algorithm, and now we're using AI to cure cancer now. No, here's how you actually use all these computational advantages to leverage faster drug development, and therefore get better patents, get better control of your narrative, and make sure that you have a solid line moving forward. Uh, you'll hear more about that probably on Tuesday, audience, just letting you know, but that's what we're looking for, We're looking at the moments where AI actually affects the market. We're not trying to invest in like, open AI right now. And we're not investing in Alphabet because we are very excited about the state of like AI searches right now. We're excited because AI is empowering already powerful algorithms to be way more productive for way cheaper. This year of efficiency was kind of a brilliant move because it just kind of like followed the trends of the technical market. And so that's what we're going to keep thinking about as we try to understand where we are at the very end of this, you know, at the very end of this rally. Like Q3 is going to be pretty wild because we're going to see even more pressure be put on this economy audience. And the main thing we're trying to figure out is uh, what are we going to do as we look forward to this? So Justin, as we get to the back half here, as we think about this, now that we're literally, it's it's Q2's done. That's insane. Um, all of your year-to-day and six-month charts are now the same, folks. We did it. Um, what are you looking forward to in Q3 exactly? Are we just looking for GDP numbers and hoping that there's no Black Swan event? Or what can we actually be watching You know, in terms of like market cyclic- cyclicality as we think about where we're going in Q3 this year? like Is there anything we should be watching or is it just more of the same, really?
1: Yeah, I mean we definitely again like to the points before we're speaking of regarding uh just like outlook for the rest of the year, uh as it relates to the Fed interest rates economy, you know, for the second half of the year, it's gonna be a lot of the continuation of the same themes. Um more specifically, there's a lot of interesting opportunities that like agnostic of what the Fed does that we really like. Um if you guys don't know, depending on who's listening to this, every single week in our stock in our app, um, we we launched, we launched an app relatively recently. We're putting out three best stock picks every single week. Um, we're doing updates on political trading in terms of what politicians are buying and selling. Um, we have a bunch of portfolios you can follow based on the types of goals you want, whether it be dividends, ESG, offshore, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's a lot of interesting opportunities that we're looking at. Um, you, you spoke of Constellation Brands, that's a stock and the beer industry in general that we've been watching pretty closely. Um, Airbnb exactly is your point in terms of sinking local markets like Phoenix, like Austin, something we're keeping our eye on and how that impacts the rest of the markets. And then I think, uh, a lot of other big themes to watch for is two things. The first one, um, I just touched upon very, very briefly is the political trading. It's something that's been extremely relevant um, but there's been talks now that there's going to be some sort of regulation put in place, whether it be this year, next year, the year after. Um, it's tough to say, but the point is that a lot of politicians now will want to capitalize uh, on this quote-unquote inside information they have now before it becomes too late and they you're not able to anymore. So, for example, something we published in the app yesterday was regarding Congressman Mark Green, uh, who's the congressman for Tennessee's 7th Congressional District. Um, he's on the energy committee buying and selling energy stocks. So not saying you should, and not that we are, making our investments solely based on what these politicians are doing, but typically they have some information that we don't. So if there's a certain investment where we are looking at or you are looking at, it's just another data source to leverage ultimately to say, hey, this congressman is you know, selling $5 million worth of Apple. Hey, I'm thinking of buying it. Is this a good or bad idea? So just trying to buy, understand buy and sell signals as a part of it. It's just another tool in your arsenal. Um, But that's something we're watching very closely as a theme for the next half, the second half of the year. And then a lot of stuff right now coming out with the um, the Supreme Court. So getting rid of affirmative action, um, taking a conservative stance in terms of wanting to limit. Um, any losses associated with student loan debt and making it payable back, those are going to have massive implications for lenders, people in the debt industry. It's going to have a huge impact on just like diversity in general from affirmative action, what it means for universities, what it means for taxpayer dollars. Um, So I think the second half, outside of whatever outcomes come of those two legislative actions, uh, there's going to be uh, massive impacts based on whatever th- other things are on their agenda um, right now again the macro is so important it's dictating so much so we never really get down to the judicial the judicial side of things but the supreme court has a role just like everyone else and if you've looked at SoFi's stock over the last year based on the supreme court and biden's decision uh to prolong student loan debt it's been I mean, it's basically just a chart of (laughs) how they've anticipated that to be paid back. So that's another huge thing for us to watch uh, in the second half of this year. And
0: audience, again, to give you that inside baseball, once again, we are recording this on Friday. We are watching the Supreme Court decisions come out live. We know that the Supreme Court has struck down the $20,000 of student loan relief that Biden literally campaigned on. Uh, Biden's administration has said that he will announce other plans in terms of student debt relief sometime later today. And so if you're hearing this and not hearing us kind of like do an update check us out in the app we'll have a sort of update in the write-up which comes out with this in our app every monday when the podcast gets released as well and it's one of those wild things too like if you look at this thing this in tandem like on the policy side uh this is once again biden just getting slammed up against the realities of our government whereas the same moment we did get a new word this week we're calling it bidenomics and ever since he passed the inflation reduction act spoiler alert, inflation kind of went down, whether or not those two events are actually causal and not just correlated is pretty wild. So it's very interesting to see how this works out. But from my perspective, at a service level, it will be genuinely hilarious if Bidenomics is what we needed to get out of this absolutely insane inflationary spiral that came out of sort of the COVID era absolutely nutty period in american history um and we're just excited to watch right so again everything's kind of trading flat on the student loan debt relief being struck down there could be other options technically biden can legally just forgive all student student debt with like a wave of his hand but wanted to do something through a more legal system because that's democrats just love following the rules i guess whatever man um but you know a lot of exciting things to watch moving forward too as we sort of understand this obviously having an additional 20k to pay off for a lot of people that are in the growing part of our economy is going to affect consumer spending a lot as well which is kind of the whole idea for student debt relief right so we'll have to see how this plays out Uh, obviously that's there's also the student debt pause is also going to be lifted in august too so a lot of money is about to kind of get rerouted in america and it's going to be really interesting to see where that money goes and specifically where that money leaves as well but we're not really going to see the effects of that till maybe q4 maybe even q1 2024 right so a lot of really interesting data points to watch a lot of really good stuff that we're trying to understand but ultimately we, even with all of this happening the market is ending this quarter on good vibes and ending the first half of 2023 on good vibes if you came to me and Justin in January and told us where the market was going to be after a bank collapse halfway through, uh, we would have thought you're insane. Like We thought we we're going to be in this period of flatness forever, just talking about inflation, talking about endless rate hikes. But we have found ways. The whole point of our system is that despite your circumstances, you can always find a way to win. And we are just seeing winners and losers be revealed by this economy, which is very exciting and very complicated to deal with obviously like just the picking indexes thing just doesn't work out anymore so we're always excited to find those winners and determine who's going to give you long-term value but it's also just like very exhausting trying to figure out you know which which sector is going to do well that sort of thing so justin that does kind of carry us to time here any final thoughts from you man again quarters end, dude i can't believe we've gotten through half of the year already absolutely wild to think that this is getting released in july
1: yeah it's pretty crazy exactly your point i mean a bank run a few bank runs later you know massive inc- interest in- or interest rate increases um and all of a sudden we're in June it's like where did the first half of the year go um i think for the second half of the year um again just being defensive while I'm putting money capital to work at least for us is how we're playing it um you know there's some potentially bad news around the corner but it all can work out just fine and Obviously, if there's only upside from here, we're going to all want to participate in it. Um, So understanding from a macro level how the indices will move and then understanding from a bottom-up scenario what stocks should do well within it. That's really where our bread and butter is going to be. Um, That's why we've, you know, this week alone, uh, released picks in Datadog and Constellation Brands and Corning. You know, there's a handful of others over the last several weeks we've done. So. You know, we just got to ha- watch out for companies that have good econ- unit economics, uh, good margins, good flywheel effects, you name it, um, and continue to invest in names that, even if from a macro perspective, it's not favorable, we know these are companies that we want to invest in over the next five to 10 years. If that's the case, we can minimize our risks. We don't have to worry about how the broader economy or stocks are doing and continue to just try and get upside while the the rest of the the market potentially grinds lower, so you know, I think biggest thing for us, key takeaways is just be smart, be thoughtful um, and really, you know, be careful about it, just investing in the index and hoping for it to go up the way it did in the last decade.
0: Just over a century into this big experiment in neoliberal capitalism and things are, you know, beginning to work out pretty well in terms of understanding where our boom and bust cycle has been going. I guess we had our potential real big bust in 2020 and we might be able to grind our way away from any others so either way audience we really appreciate your time that does feel like a good place to end it so just so you know audience's podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr all the intellectual value you get from the flagship pod here from Moby.co comes from our analyst team which is headed up by Justin Kramer our CEO, co-founder and chief analyst here at Moby.co if you have any questions for us you can always email us at hello at Moby.co or find us on our discord at the same time check us out over at app.moby.co and if you want to see more of our sort of day-to-day perspective we have a great email list we'd love you to sign up for you can sign up there again at app.mobi.co or just visit us over at Instagram and TikTok where you'll get a lot of our daily perspective as we give you little data bites about where the market is going throughout the day-to-day. Regardless, audience, that feels like an awesome place to end it. We really appreciate your time. And as always, we like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.